Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. The Bills make me wanna. It is Wednesday night, and you know what that means, Bills Mafia. It is another episode of Shout Your Buffalo Bills Football Podcast. I am your host, Matt Perino, and I'm joined, as always, by my faithful sidekick, my tag team partner, the bald menace himself, Ryan Talbot. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I I feel like the... When's the last time you shaved your head? I don't feel like we have the usual shine. It's been a few days. I think one, Saturday yeah. or Sunday. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little behind here. I like it. I like it. So you put <laughs> out a uh, a couple. Uh, well, before we get to that, let's make sure that we let you know that this episode of Shout and all the episodes of Shout are brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. And actually, I got a little story. Uh, so I went into Tops the other night. Uh, it was maybe around 5.30, 6 o'clock, just past that like that uh you know, dinner rush. I I was out of K cups, so I needed my uh, tops is the is usually the only one that has it all the time. Like I always can, can count on them to have my brand. It's uh I forget what it's called, uh, but it's it's supposed to be the strongest cup of coffee that you can have. Anyway, went in there, grabbed it, dude. They got the Halloween candy all over the place. Looking looking at me dead in the eyes and just basically whispering in my ear, five to ten pounds is coming. In the next month, because I'm going to eat all this Halloween candy, and I'm I'm really nervous about it. I uh, I know this is the worst time of year because you get the little mini Kit Kat sitting around. That's my uh, go to when the kids have their Halloween candy, uh, the the Snickers, everything else. So it, it's a worrisome time. Uh, I actually was actually at Tops recently too. Best breakfast pizza around. That is my go to spot for breakfast pizza. So a little shout out there for Tops for that. I grew up here, and I didn't know breakfast pizza was a thing until I oh, came back. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's taken off in the last couple of years. Am I right? Or has this always been a thing? I've always loved it. I mean, growing up, there was 7-Eleven here where I lived. And and uh, not 7-Eleven, Unimart. Unimart had a decent breakfast pizza, too, when I was growing up. But there are different places. But now, I, Tops is my go-to. It's one of the only places I can actually find around here, though, in general, that makes that breakfast pizza good stuff. I like it. I like it. Well, I do like breakfast pizza. I like all pizza, uh, but definitely uh, check that out at Tops because you're, you are right. It is delicious. I've had it a few times. All right. Before we get into a uh, little we- uh, Wednesday update here, I was out at uh, One Bill's Drive today. Uh, we'll bring you some of that. You had a fun post this week. It was the Josh Allen apology form. Why don't you let everybody know what 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 you what your options were? Yeah, you know that was pretty cool. I saw those floating around. I tried to track down who who started. There was a few different forms going around, but uh, essential anyone that uh, bashed Josh Allen and the Bills for when they uh, made that selection can now kind of there's a way for them to come out and say, "Hey, we were wrong." So you know, uh, I only watched ESPN. I I didn't watch any of the games. I only listened to these people. So there's little check boxes for people to, to actually uh, fill out and then sign it, and then you can send it back. So funny little forms, print some off, give them to some people that you know that either bash the pick or bash the prospect because through three games, the Buffalo Bills have a legitimate MVP candidate at quarterback. And the, I like it. The last little box is I will hereby respect Josh Allen and I will not talk down on the future all pro and Super Bowl champion. That's so right. this, this, this is a really fun post. Uh, shout out to, I'll give him some love. Twitter handle BI11S Mafia, Bills Mafia on Twitter. Uh, go give him a follow. That was a fun, uh, a fun post. Um, all right, let's get into Wednesday here, and we are going to welcome in our, our our first guest of the evening in a minute here. Probably get him in early, but um, Micah Hyde, John Brown did not practice today. Uh, good, on the, that's the bad news. The good news is some real good news, actually. Dawson Knox is back in the mix, and Josh Norman, who we've been talking about for weeks here, is Levi Wallace at times has looked like you know some of the the struggling form that he's had over the course of in little stretches here over the last two years, you know, 
getting Josh Norman back in the mix would be a big deal. Now it comes with a caveat. The bills can welcome him back to practice. He can have his uniform on his pads on. He can be there all week and they still could choose not to activate him, which would then put him uh, on IR for another uh, three weeks at least. Uh, so Sean McDermott didn't want to give away any designations today. He didn't appear on the injury report. So we're kind of flying blind here a little bit, but seeing him out there today, w- watching him run around a little bit, do some football activities. That was a, that was a good sign. Yeah. You know, and Levi Wallace actually had a pretty decent game last week against the Rams had that huge interception considering the Rams didn't punt at all that game. That was a much needed turnover for the bills. Uh, but, but having that other option across from Trey white, where if Levi's having a down game or, if an injury pops up here or there, because I feel like this season we've seen more injuries uh, than we have in any years, you know, in, in recent memory, at least over the first three seasons, not just the Bills, the NFL in general. And obviously, I think some of it was to be expected without having a traditional offseason, but big name players going down. And I mean, like all season. So you want as much depth as possible. Having Norman possibly being able to come back as soon as this weekend would be a huge boost for that secondary uh, from a leadership perspective, but also from an experience perspective as he, he knows Sean McDermott's uh, defense like the back of his hand. Mm-hmm. Zach Moss was back at practice. He was limited today. Uh, that's a good sign. You'd like to see him practice a couple of times. And again, this is Wednesday, you know, as we get to Friday, uh, we'll have a better picture of what this is going to look like on Sunday, but you know, some positive developments. All right, let's not, let's not wait any longer. When, when we got somebody in the waiting in the green room, I like to get him in here as soon as possible, you know, bring him in because, you know, we got our thing here. Let's add him to the stream. Jeremy White, my friend, how are you? Good, guys. How are you? We are great. Uh, You should all know who Jeremy White is. Uh, He is the co-host of Howard and Jeremy every morning, 6 to 10 on WGR 550 uh, Sports Radio uh, in Buffalo. And um, first of all, you got to give us a little glimpse of tomorrow because you tweeted at Howard tonight, I saw. And you said, we got a lot to talk about tomorrow. I did. Um, I've got a ton of Raiders trivia that is kind of fun. But the coolest thing, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give it away because I mean, Howard, whatever. It'll, I'll spring it on him. What okay. I what I looked and found was three years ago today, the Bills played a game, and I'm pretty sure I can identify it as the game that I thought maybe Sean McDermott is a is the right hire. Maybe this guy is legit. And I wonder if you guys can remember what game it was three years ago today was the first, huh, maybe they've got something with this guy. Mm, I'm going to let Ryan go. He's <laughs> Thanks. Usually, he's usually good at this stuff. Do you want a hint? Yeah. Once I tell you what game it was, I mean, it's early-ish in the season. It's week four. I think it's week four. And uh, the Bills go to three and one, and they win the kind of game that the Bills never win. I'm trying to blank here. And I got to say, I, well, I don't struggle to I saw, remember. I think, the saw, actually, I think I saw it in the feed here. I was looking over and someone wrote something. Oh, give Falcons. It, give it. What's that? Falcons game. Atlanta. Yeah. yeah that was, they were the they go, yeah, they're an underdog, right? They're an underdog. They go to Atlanta. We're all thinking, okay, this is what the Bills do. They go to Atlanta. They lose. But they didn't. And I actually went back and I found my tweet from that day, which just said, guys, I think the Bills are good. You know, it wasn't supposed to be a drought ending year. They had beaten the Jets. They'd beaten the Trevor Simeon Broncos. And then here it is week four. They go and they beat Atlanta. And we're all kind of looking at each other like, what's going on here, right? Like, do, do they have something? And they go on and they break the drought and they make the playoffs. And I really think it was that game, the first time that I thought this team is well coached. Their offense still wasn't great. But you just kind of got that feeling that they might be onto something here. And that was three years ago tomorrow. So that's the tease is that tomorrow it's the anniversary of that game. That's so cool. Well, we will look forward to listening to that as always. And, you know, I wanted to have you in tonight because I was listening to your show a couple of days ago. And I think that you guys just got off on a little tangent about just how fun this is all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like the Bills mm-hmm. for so many years, I mean – I remember growing up, I used to, li- I date myself a little bit here. I, I listened uh, religiously to you, you and Brad Ryder back in the day. And I'd always <laughs> long for the moments that you would talk about NBA because there wasn't really a lot to talk about for the bills late in the season. So, I mean, you've covered this team for how long exactly now? 
It's, it's, I mean, it might as well be 20 years, I think, right? Like I, I, I moved to Buffalo full-time in 2001. I was here for a summer before, so 19 years. The, okay. the first game I remember is Bill's Saints. I was working on post-game Bill's Saints in a season opener. They played, and like, Sam Cowart was on the team. So I think that's Ooh. 19 years. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. So right at the tail end of them being good. Yeah. Kind of. Yep. Okay. So you talk about this team on the radio every day. Was there ever a point in this, you know, two decade run where you're like, you may be talking to your, um, you know, a family member, a friend, a buddy, a college classmate. I can't do this anymore, guys. Like, I can't bring myself <laughs> to do this anymore. Was there ever that point? No, I can tell you it never got as bad as it is for the Sabres right now. Like that, yeah. in all seriousness, it never got that bad because you know, for the Bills, for the longest time, they, they took their cracks at the quarterbacks. You know, every time, whether it was JP or it was EJ, a quarterback kind of resets you. And no matter how bad things are, it, it kind of becomes that moment of, uh, of, okay, year one, like, we're going to see how this goes. Year two, it's time to step forward. Will there be a year three? And granted, it hasn't worked out for the Bills as they've done that until now. So, you know, even when they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, there was a time where Fitz was fun. Fitz beat the Patriots, you know. Um, you know, people will say like hope springs eternal for the Buffalo Bills all the time, and fans always buy hope. And I get that. But every couple of years they had an idea, they had a thing. They were never really bad. They were always just kind of right in the middle, right? Like eight mm -hmm. and eight. How many times did they pick between eight and thirteen in the draft? You know, it was mm -hmm. every year. So it always felt like they were not that far away from being good. And every couple of years they got a quarterback, and finally it it seems like that carousel is, you know. It, we're off the carousel and this is, this is different. This is, this, this is a lot of fun. Has there ever been a year on the other side, the flip side of that, where maybe entering the season, you thought this team could be legitimate kind of like now after three games, you're thinking, okay, they could actually make a run here in the AFC in your time covering the team. Has that ever happened for you? I can tell you, I was texting a friend of mine about this today. Uh, my friend Paul sent me a message because like the last time they were three and oh, they're three and oh last year. But if you go back a couple of years, I was at the game in Arizona when Trent Edwards got knocked out. Mm. So that one was tough, you know. They're 4-0. They're and They were off to a start. That was, you know, he wasn't a first-round pick. He's a third-round pick that kind of comes in and immediately really impressed. So, it was, again, it was kind of one of these uh, adventures in finding a guy that, oh, wait a minute, maybe this guy is, is a quarterback of the future. Maybe we, we found something here. And he got knocked out on, like, what, the fourth play? So that was a long way to go to see the Bills lose a game and see them not even be competitive because they lost Edwards to that injury. But, you know, it, it is, there, have been, there have been times of belief. I can remember Lossman's uh, game in Houston. He followed that up with a late win against Jacksonville. There's back-to-back -back wins where it was a little bit of a, maybe this is the moment where JP figures it out. But there really hasn't been along the way anything like this. And I guess, you know, you kind of have to acknowledge that this could fall apart, but it's never been this good. It's never been this high where the offense is this good and the, everything's firing and they're getting points. You know, it was always, they beat, you know, a couple teams here and there, they might've gotten a bounce and maybe they got a bounce against the Rams. But I, I will say that I do think it does feel like it's higher than it's ever been at this point. So we're at this high point right now, three weeks ago, entering week one, what was your biggest skepticism? ahead of the opener? Hmm. I guess it was probably whether or not Josh Allen and the offense, you know, would their A game, and it's, this is still my skepticism, I suppose, is their A game on the level with the A game team's A game? You know, and that's, that's the question I think we all kind of have. Like, are they up there with the Chiefs? Can they play with Baltimore? And one of those teams is the Rams. And the answer to that test was yes. You know, I watched opening night Rams-Cowboys, and that wasn't the prettiest game, but the Rams early on looked sharp. And mm -hmm. I, I tend to think the Rams are kind of back this year for a, a little bit of a bounce back. So to do it with the Rams was to answer yes. Their A game was with the, you know, the A offensive team's A game. And that still is the question. So, you know, one, one test passed so far. There'll be a couple more. Kansas City. I actually think New England is a real test now more than they would be if they had Brady and Pittsburgh's back with Roethlisberger. I, I just, 
I love it because it feels like they're kind of in a heavyweight division now, you know, like they've got, they've got real opponents. You look at the schedule differently. It used to be, you look at the, at the schedule and, and you saw the tough games and thought, okay, well, four losses there. So where are we, where are we going to find the nine wins or the 10 wins? And now it's totally different. Now I want to see the heavyweight matchups. I want to see the Steelers and even the Titans. You know, I think that's a good team too. Offensively, they were very good last year once Tannehill went in. So, you know, it's about keeping up for me. Can they keep up with the real good teams offensively? And so far, the answer is yes. I'm open to the idea of Tennessee ahead of Baltimore in 2020. And it's not just based on what we saw. I mean, I think it's easier to overreact in those moments, big games. You know, I've been kind of on the train and everybody knows I'm very high on Josh Allen, but I've been a little concerned with playoff Lamar, which I don't think is getting enough attention or discussion. He's an extremely great player. He was great in the, in, in the regular season last year. I thought that, you know, far and away the MVP, but I think it's a, it's a different game. Once you get to January, it's a different game. Like we've seen the struggles for quarterbacks that have had success in the regular season and struggle at the next level. Patrick Mahomes has done it from the beginning of his second season mm -hmm. when he was handed the job. Uh, other quarterbacks have been good from the beginning in the playoffs. It's not always like you're never going to be good, but I still think I I'm kind of sitting back and waiting on Lamar a little bit. And Josh Allen is in the same boat. He hasn't I was done just going to ask playoffs that. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to ask, like, you realize Josh is one first round exit from that conversation. You know, Peyton exactly. Manning went through it. I wrote about this today at WGR550.com. Peyton Manning went through it. Lamar Jackson is in it. Andy Dalton never got out of it, right? Lost five playoff mm -hmm. games in the first round. He, I'm sure Cincinnati was really excited when he showed up and made the playoffs in year one and two and three and four and five. Like, <laughs> you're always at your next bar. And I, I do think that bar's coming for Allen. Like, that that's that might be the number one reason their goal is to you know fans maybe should be to win a playoff game is that he gets that because he was playing well enough to win that Houston game and you know the number of things that went wrong for them not just for him but for them to lose it you know that just it sticks with the quarterback so he I I, I totally agree with you and I think that Allen is real close to being in that conversation and when they make the playoffs this year which I think they will that like that's storyline number one for me like okay here we go everything's ratcheted up and are you ready? And to your point, I think that if Josh doesn't clear that bar, it's going to be tougher on him because Lamar has that MVP to lean on. He could have the two playoff games with really bad completion percentage and, you know, two losses and all that, but he still, you still can go back to last season when he was the best player in the league for most of the weeks. You know, it's not like Russell Wilson, who, you know, has obviously had his struggles at times in the playoffs, but he's got a Super Bowl. I mean, this yeah, right away. Yep. Exactly. So, um, yeah, to your point, I, I think that's Tony Romo. Point. Think about Tony Romo, right? Mm. His career was defined by not doing enough in the playoffs, even though he played well. And even though one of his losses was on that, um, the Des Bryant fumble that everyone re uh, or incompletion that everyone thinks like that was a catch like scoreboard, you know, at the end of the day, it's scoreboard and you got to get the wins. Yeah, so the offense, though, has been lights out through three weeks. And I think entering the season, we thought, okay, offense is going to be a little bit better. Defense is going to be great. They've been great throughout this entire tenure. Defense has not been great. So, no. you know, through three games, how concerned are you with this Bills defense? Well, one thing about it is I think the context of it, and that is that all offense around the league is up, and the Bills defense, last I saw, I think it's hovering around maybe average, like in the middle. And I think it will get better. McDermott, they've had some games where teams have gashed them on the ground. I'm thinking back to, you know, the Saints ran all over them back in that 2017 season. So there have been some games where things kind of get off track a bit. Um, I'm not that concerned about it. And, and part of that comes down to the offense for me. You know, I've spent, we talk about like 19 years talking about this team. They've had a good defense maybe 12 times. <laughs> And I finally got to the point where it's like, I don't care about the defense. Just talk to me when you've got an offense. So I kind of want to be careful about not being a hypocrite. They finally got an offense. And I say like, I'm worried about the defense. You know, like <laughs> Now's not the time. I kind of have to say, I'm not worried about it because I, I kind of, I got what I asked for all along. I, I do think McDermott will get things in order. I mean, this team, you guys know, this team's well coached. They have been well coached pretty much since he showed up. It goes back to that point I made about that Atlanta game. You just see that they're ready most nights or most, most days. And um, my level of concern is not that high right now. We'll, we'll see once they face some better teams, but I, I wouldn't say it's that high at all. Mm -hmm. 
Offensively, and you know, I want to talk about Stefan Diggs, but I think the idea of sustainability, and you mentioned a, you alluded to it a little bit earlier about you know, this Rams game was a real test. This was one that you know, Aaron Donald going against him in the middle, and you know, every time that Josh Allen dropped back to pass, you're sitting there as a Bills fan worried about what that guy could do. And I think for the most part, other than a few plays, they did a good job against him. But is this kind of production sustainable? I mean, whether it be questions on the offensive line, the the rotating uh, positions on the interior with Cody Ford and John Feliciano maybe coming back. You know, John Brown's hurt this week. That's been a nagging thing. He's been on the injury report two weeks in a row. Are they are they ever one guy away from this thing, you know, maybe going bad? Uh, besides Josh Allen, obviously. Maybe. My number coming into the year for this offense and, you know, for Stephon Diggs was he was only targeted 94 times last year. To me, it's just mm. – it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And from an efficiency standpoint, the number is he was the first ever receiver to get a thousand yards on under a hundred targets, or I'm sorry, I don't, I don't remember it exactly, but the idea is you have this incredible weapon and the Minnesota Vikings just decided eh, we don't really want to use it that much. And the bills, like that was a big question, right? For them. Will they target digs enough? Will the ball, will they have enough um, passes to go around? And so far, they're very pass heavy. The answer is yes. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's one of the reasons that they're doing so well offensively. Teams focus on Diggs. I I've loved Diggs for years in Minnesota. He's the type of receiver that I just love to watch. I mean, he's he's like an upgraded Stevie Johnson, who's one of my favorite ever bills, because if you're the guy that gets open no matter what and beats the best man cover corners, like for some reason, that just works for me. So I've loved Diggs and the idea of the trade and then it happened. I mean, I'm over the moon. I know one of the big questions was, will will he be happy with Josh Allen? And so far, the answer is an overwhelming yes. So, you know, I think sometimes success breeds success. And what they're doing, they've got it right now. Just keep doing it. And I think there'll be times where they struggle. And the answer for me, the answer will be feed digs. You know, find a way. Get, get him the ball. Throw him the ball. Contested catches. Whatever it, whatever it is, just keep going to digs. I think that's the answer. Uh, when times get tough, last year the guy to go to was John Brown, who's very good. But on that fourth down against Cleveland, on that fourth down against Baltimore last year, they went to John Brown. This year that's got to be digs. And I think it was on your show, I remember, you know, really, you know, pounding the table for this trade and like, I, it was immediately after. So, you know, that I did pound the table for it. And then when the trade came through and what the bills gave up for him, I was like, yeah, sure. 100%. Maybe even throw in another pick because yep. what, what he's doing right now is exactly what was missing last year. Yep. Well, think about it this way. You know, you could have had Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson might turn out to be a really nice receiver. He had a great week last week for the Vikings. The fourth round pick is the price to fast forward time to that guy in his prime. You paid a first and a fourth, you know? All right, here. Here's a fourth-round pick, and instead of Justin Jefferson, let's let's assume he's the same receiver as Diggs, which is a gamble to begin with. Like, okay, we'll just pay to fast-forward and get a guy who's good right now. Like, I was – I never even blinked at the, at the cost of the trade. And, oh, by the way, that fourth that you're talking about was one they got in a trade, and they still had their own fourth, which turned into yep. Gabriel Davis. So, yep. really, if you take all of that now, months later – I mean, I, I, you just have to be absolutely over the moon about this deal, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So, you know, you mentioned the Sabres earlier. We know how they've been the last few years. So comparing, you know, the Sabres with where they are and the Bills with where they are now, how fun is this, you know, covering this Bills team? And then how much right now do you miss uh, being at the stadium uh, where obviously right now no one can be? I miss it a lot. And uh, it's kind of changed for me over the years. I spent a couple years in the press box. Uh, just doing stringer work for ESPN. I spent a couple years doing pregame and then going home. You know, I'd have some friends that went to games. And then when I met my wife and my wife's family, like it became that every Sunday is like Thanksgiving. Every Sunday at the stadium is we're in the camper lot and it's, you know, my brother's-in-law and her cousins and we have 20 people and we see the whole family. So the, the game experience changed for me a lot in the last like four or five years. And I definitely miss it a lot. Um, you know, I'm not one person to sit here and say, why can't it happen and complain too much? You know, I, I'm, I'm one to totally understand public health. So, you know, I'm just doing what we're doing. And if 7,000 people were able to go, which I, you know, 
I think that's possible, and I don't think that's far away. Even though the Bills put out that statement, it, it was not definitive. They did not say mm-hmm. no fans for the Chiefs game the way they did for the first two, no fans. They just said, as of today. And anytime I see that in a statement, you know, those statements, they pour over the words. They pour over what they're going to say. They said, as of today, unless things change. And today, the story is that the governor's going to tour the facility. So I would hold out hope for the Chiefs game. I would hold out hope for the game after that, which I forget who that is. Mm, Seattle. Seattle. Oh, Seattle and Patriots. Yeah, That's right. I think it's Seattle. By the time the Patriots game rolls around, you know, I'm hopeful. I, I hope that 7,000, 10,000 can go. I don't know that I'll be one of them because I, I missed the big scene. I'm one that, you know, I'm all about the scene, the whole thing. And you know, I'm with everybody that I do. I do miss it an awful lot. Well, uh, you can listen to him every weekday morning uh, with Howard Simon. And if you will, and you can listen to it on demand. And most of the time, I got to say, as early as I am up, I usually listen to it on demand. I, I grab it on the Apple uh, Rewind there. Um, Howard picked the Bills this week? Yes, he did. How did, how did well, it go? Give it- 12 and 4. All right. All right. Those are always must listens. I, I love listening to each week how that all plays out. You know, the game he keeps flip he keeps flip flopping on a couple games. One is Tennessee, and the other is the 49ers. He keeps kind of mm-hmm. pushing them back and forth. So we'll see. I think it's tough to go in this league, you know, to go on the road two times in a row like that. And especially with, you know, all these looming things now. I mean, you got the Titans mm-hmm. who we saw from Tredavious White today, you know, the absolute <laughs> chaotic thing that that ended up being because there was just some confusion on the way that he answered the question. I've, I went back and listened to it five different ways. And I do believe that he was referring to that. We'll clarify that with him next time we talk to him. But, um, you know, what's going on with the Tennessee Titans? What's going on with, you know, the Vegas Raiders? And, you know, I think we've all been out at this at this stage and seen people without masks on. And um, it's it's a little bit um, it's worrisome. So I, yeah. I do understand his, his thoughts on it. Sure. And Trey's a guy that gave a lot of thought to, you know, opting out on the season. So as someone... I think we would all respect as someone that takes it seriously. Like when Trey speaks about it, if he's talking about the Titans, like I'm going to listen because I know he's a player that most definitely takes it seriously. All right. Go check out his article up now at WGR550.com. You hear him tomorrow morning. We're very excited. Jeremy, thank you for taking a little time on this Wednesday night. We appreciate you, man. Thanks, guys. Be well. All right. Take care. All right. So let me get this background here going because we got to switch it in between um each person we're going right along here this is the shout buffalo bills football podcast that is the first episode and people ryan everybody liked the the format last week when we had the the segments almost we had uh uh jordan reed from the draft network greg Thompson from cover one uh bang 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 we have a a, a three-person lineup tonight i, I like it. It, it 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 uh it flows yeah, absolutely. It kind of keeps things moving, keeps things light. I like it as well. It is a really nice little format. So maybe something we can keep doing here on a week by week basis. Yes. If you have any questions, if you want us to talk about anything Raiders game specific, remember we will be live tomorrow night for our special Bills versus Raiders preview show. Uh, so if you drop them in here, I will check that out and and we will take care of that tomorrow. But next up, we got to welcome in our next guest from Channel Four, Heather Prusak. How are you? Hi guys, what's going on? Not much, not much. Just hang it out on this Wednesday night, and you were so kind to offer us uh, some of your time. You, you got you got shows to do tonight. You're you're going to be on the the news. Yeah, yeah, you know, doing that doing that news thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I got. I no. I can't lie. I'm a little little uh, sleepy still. I, I took a power nap before I came into work, and I think that was probably a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, see, you're brave. I I can't I can't nap. Like if I, I nap, my whole days off, my whole nights off. And my wife always makes fun of me. Like we get to like nine o'clock now, and you know we have two kids, so Ryan knows I'm out. I am out. And if I nap, it's over. I my whole day is messed up. But that's your excuse. You have two kids. I don't. I have a dog and a you know fiance at home. So what's my excuse? I fell asleep during the fourth quarter of the Monday night game, and I was so mad at myself. I'm like, that's what he's is, one of is, my good friends. You do what has happened kids. to me? What? Yeah, pretty <laughs> you much. Do right? have two kids. So I, I completely understand. No, happy belated birthday. 
Caitlin just pinched me off to the side you. and reminded me to make oh, sure to thanks, let you know. Guys. So that is very exciting. You guys went to Left Bank. How was it? Oh, so good. I think I'm so full from that dinner. That ravioli piece, it's just monstrous. If you've never been, you should because it's so good. You had a fun kickoff to your birthday week. Big Kansas City Chiefs fan. You watched them win big on Monday Night Football. Yep. What are your impressions early on of, of this oh Kansas City? Oh, my gosh. Season? I mean, you know, it, it's they're a team that after especially what we saw last year, they're never out of games. Like, no matter what the situation is, I mean, even against the Chargers last week where, you know, it's coming down to the wire and, and – you know, the, the defense looks terrible and all this stuff and Mahomes and company can't get anything going. You sit there and you're you're just not worried about it. I mean, it's they're never out of a game. And whatever the situation is, they're going to find a way to get it done. So Chiefs fans are are in a great place right now because while they might make you sweat it out a little bit, um, they're never you just you just don't have to be worried about it. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, you said they, they make you sweat it out a little bit, but I, you probably don't sweat as much because of a Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Just how good is this quarterback? I mean, do we? Uh, how much time do we have? Like, <laughs> I mean, the kind of throws that this guy can make are just absolutely insane. I mean, that underhand shovel pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Monday Night Football the other night, and you know, just the the way that when he's out of the pocket, and just the the calmness that he has when he's making these throws, and when he's looking downfield, and um, there's just no there's no sense of panic in in him, and it's just the things that he can do, it's just incredible. It's just like I I just can't say I'm he never ceases to amaze me. Like it's just, it's so, it's, he's so exciting to watch and I am so excited for when they play the bills. Cause that's going to be a hell of a game. That's, that's where we're going here because I watched that game on Monday night and I started thinking about how far away are the bills from, you know, not being what Kansas city is because they're a defending super bowl champion ever since Patrick Mahomes stepped on the field. They've been one of the best teams in the NFL but how far away are they from competing with them? Because I think that one of the cool things, if you're a Bills fan, about how this team is constructed with Leslie Frazier, with Sean McDermott, despite the slow start on defense, they kind of are built the best to be maybe a foil for the Chiefs if Josh Allen could keep this going. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because, you know, going into kind of backtracking a little bit, going into last week's game with the Rams, we were talking about how that's going to be kind of a measuring stick for them because, um, you know, beating the Jets and the Dolphins, okay, that's all well and good, but like, what did that really tell us, you know? So, um, you know, we said that that game was going to be kind of a measuring stick and they ended up winning and it wasn't pretty at times, but they got it done. I mean, to me, I'm looking ahead to this Chiefs game. You talk about a measuring stick and a barometer for where they are. That's going to tell us that's that's really going to tell us a lot about just what what we're seeing with this Bills team here going up against the best of the best going up against, um, you know, the, the best quarterback, I mean, in the league and, and what they can do. And on defense, the Chiefs aren't always, um, you know, firing on all cylinders there, but defensively they have some big playmakers and they can get to you. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, how that ends up playing out. And, you know, as far as where, how far away they are, I don't know. I really, I really don't know how far away the bills are to being that kind of team. I think the word consistency is what I'll throw out. Like I want to see more of Josh Allen playing the way that he has in these first three games. Um, I want to see that consistency because while the chiefs might be able to have slumps in games where, you know, especially again against the chargers or, I mean, hell, even what they did in the playoffs last year, the mm-hmm. Bills aren't a team where when if they were down by that much right now, I don't have the confidence to sit there and say, oh, you're down by 20 points. OK, you're going to come back and win the game. You know what I mean? So um, I think consistency and not having those lapses in games, that is what I want to see more of to be able to say, OK, so they're this close away or whatever from from being somewhat of what the Chiefs are. Next up, I want to talk a little bit about what surprised you so far. But before we do, we got to pay the bills. 
Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. So as Matt was saying there, uh, you know, expectations for the Bills. Where are they compared to what you thought you were going to see out of this team three weeks ago? Where are your expectations so far? As far offensively, they've actually exceeded my expectations. And not because I didn't think that they didn't have the the talent to, to be doing what they are. But my concerns more so were over... Um, you know, developing chemistry and having the shortened preseason and the virtual offseason and dealing with the pandemic and the restrictions and things like that. That's more of where my concerns were is just getting some of these guys on the same page and coming together so much more quickly than what they normally would have to. So I'd have to say um, that they've exceeded my expectations. The fact of how they've been able to um, to come together, to gel, to get that chemistry, the timing, even the even the rookies, what they've been able to do and having the abnormal off season, um, the way that they've really gotten up to speed. That's why I'd say that they've exceeded my expectations. We talked a little bit about this afternoon in the, in the chaos of the Tredavious white Jordan Poyer saga that I started, but um, no, that basically what happened was we're what's happening this year is that a lot of times we'll have two players in one zoom call. And Mm -hmm. so They'll get a lot of questions like, you know, sometimes after games like this last week, we had Micah and Jordan, the same one. They kind of take their turns. This one was just Tredavious White coming in to sit down, waiting for his turn. They're both on screen and Jordan was asked about, you know, the situation in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders and, you know, a few guys going to a charity event and didn't have masks on, uh, you know, kind of on top of what we just saw, what we're seeing in Tennessee with four positive tests and now the possibility that their game might be postponed a few days uh, while they try to figure all of that out. And they, these two guys were basically asked, what are your feelings on all this? And, you know, Jordan obviously came out and said, this is not something that scares me or bothers me. I feel like the protocols are in place and, and they're doing a good job of it. Trey, on the other hand, and not surprisingly for a guy that was thinking up until the final hour about potentially, you know, opting out was like, yeah, "Yeah, man, some of our antennas are up in here. He said antennas, by the way, not antenna, uh, which would be just, you know, the plural form of the little things on the, on on the box. We know what he was talking about. Exactly. Exactly. But um, no, so I, I, I understand kind of both sides of this thing and more so trays just because that would probably be how I would feel if, you know, you're about to go on the road and go play mm-hmm. in a stadium where people are out in a, in a state that's on the ban list in this, in this state and uh, they're out without masks on it. It, it can be a little bit uh, troubling. I'm a little nervous for them personally. I mean, we, uh, you know, I actually just came into work and we were talking about, you know, what if they come back and there's they have some positive tests on the bills because of you know going to to Las Vegas or going to Tennessee the following week i mean the fact that you have these two teams at the center of these covid-19 situations and they they just so happen to be the next two teams that the bills are playing that is i wouldn't say i'm overly concerned but there's a little part of me that is like i i really hope that um, there aren't any positive tests that come up for the Raiders and then therefore pass it along to the Bills. So I'm going to be kind of, uh, you know, holding my breath a little bit come the beginning of next week and then the beginning of the following week, um, depending on what does happen in Tennessee, because um, up until up until this point, the NFL has done or in the league teams have done a really good job of limiting the spread you know you've seen i think going into week two there were zero positive tests among players and um it, that was a really encouraging sign because not being in, for not being in a bubble especially that's huge that teams have been able to uh to limit that and so that was a really encouraging sign to start the season and now you know we're three games in and now this stuff is happening um it's just got to be the responsibility falls on the individuals and you know you got to follow the protocols, you know, just it's, it's on everybody. So um, I hope that nothing comes of it. I, I hope that, you know, they, they return safe and um, but yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll have to see. Definitely, definitely raises, uh, raises some, some concerns though, when those are their next two opponents. 
Yeah, so the Bills are heading to Vegas. Getting a little bit of an echo there. Uh, Bills are heading to Vegas this weekend. They're going to see some familiar names, uh, Zay Jones and Nathan Peterman. Describe their tenures, I guess, maybe in one or two words. Rough. (laughs) I, I, I mean, at least specifically for Nathan Peterman, I would say rough. I mean, he had a... He had a rough go uh, in Buffalo and, you know, he was put in some really unfavorable situations. I mean, the fact that, you know, his rookie year, they're in the middle of a, you know, trying to make the playoffs and then McDermott flips the switch and starts him against the Chargers and they throws three interceptions. And, um, you know, it, it it's funny. We, I, we were actually, John and I were actually talking about this earlier, how we were saying that if the Bills stay on this path that they're on right now, and they, you know, they continue their success and consistency and Josh Allen becomes this, you know, great franchise quarterback that, you know, he's shaping up to be and they make the playoffs consistently and things like that. And they become contenders are how are people going to look back on that whole Nathan Peterman, the kind of beginning of this whole experience, because uh, he was like at the very start of Josh Allen's you know, taking over. Um, he was, you know, one of the last quarterbacks to play other than Josh Allen for the Bills. So it's it's interesting to see how um, years from now, depending on what happens, you know, it, I guess if the Bills end up doing well in the way that they are now, I feel like people are probably going to look back and almost just laugh about it um, because it'll be one of those things. But it's just really interesting that it was really rough for, for a while um, at the beginning of Josh Allen's time here. Um, just from a, from a team perspective. Um, so yeah, yeah, rough. And, you know, and Zay, Zay as well. Um, you know, so it's, uh, and, but you know, also too, both on a personal level, they were really great guys to talk to, especially during all the ups and downs. I will say that as, as people, they were always very, you know, uh, respectful, even when things were going just absolutely terrible. I mean, Zay had his, you know, off the field issues and, um, and then, you know, Peter Ben with his on the field issues, but they were always very great to talk to. So, um, you know, as people, I, I do, you know, I, I wish them the best because, yeah, they were in some really bad situations and they were still very, very respectful to us in the media. You mentioned they were great to talk to in the room. And I, I always like talking about this because, you know, partly now reminiscing about it because we don't get to do it anymore. But who, over the course of your time, A, how long have you been covering the Bills? And B, Who's your who's your favorite interview? You know, in that time. Um, so I'd say I think my I didn't cover the Bills my first year. I was part time. So uh, probably like the last like five years, mm-hmm. five six years. I mean, this is going to be a cliche answer, but like I love I love talking to Lorenzo. Um, mm-hmm. I love talking to Lorenzo. Um, kind of an under the radar guy. Eddie Yarborough was always so funny to talk to. Like he he you know isn't a guy that you know you talk about a lot, but he was awesome i love i love talking to eddie um you know micah's great but you know lorenzo i think was my favorite i know that's that's probably a very cliche answer because he is who he is but i mean just always just so thoughtful in his answers and you know he he was the thing that i appreciated about him was he said things without being cliche and without giving things away but he he still gave you something, you know, we hear so many mm-hmm. times McDermott's so close to the vest with everything. And, you know, he doesn't want to reveal too much. And I'm like, look, for some questions, there's a way to answer it without revealing too much, you know, like you can, you can say something. Um, but Lorenzo was always, you know, that guy that, um, you know, he just, he always, he always took the time. And I mean, he, he would hold court in the locker room. I mean, you guys would see it for, you know, basically until they shut down the media portion in there, which is a good, what, 40, 45 minutes. I mean, he was always talking to people. So um, I just always really appreciated him. And um, yeah. Uh, I, I I would love to come up with another a- answer. I know, this is my I know. third year and it's, it's going to be tough to top him because, yeah. you know, because it's so hard, you know, I'm able to kind of put myself in their shoes, just, you know, maybe more so because I was behind the scenes in the UFC and I saw, you know, what it, what the kind of gauntlet of media could be for some of the top guys. And so I kind of get it when, when guys are like, man, I just don't want to talk today. Like whether it be you had a tough day of practice or you didn't really, you're just not feeling up to it and, and you don't want to do it. Lorenzo, no matter what, rain or shine, oh, every single time. 
you know, he showed up and he always gave you the best stuff because, you know, he was real with you. And, you know, I'm excited to call him a friend, you know, on the other side of things. And uh, also shout out to Jeremiah Searles, who I'm going to have to get on maybe next week. Uh, He was awesome. Absolutely awesome. We had him on a month ago and he blew everybody away. So we'll get his thoughts in the first month next week. Before I let you get out of here, I want to talk about something that I've seen that I've seen pop up in the last couple of days that have just, you know, and maybe the one day it really irked me because I'm sitting there playing with my daughter. We're drinking a little, uh, we're having a little tea party, a little picnic. And, you know, I'm just looking in her eyes and I see just a couple of, you know, what's with comments about women in sports or women covering sports. And I thought we covered this. I, I don't understand why this continues to be a thing. And I guess it's, you know, it's always going to be a thing. You know, you talk about what's going on in this country in so many different areas and, you know, the frustrations that we all have. But I wanted to bring you on to just, you know, just to remind everybody, like, you're here. You're not going anywhere. And honestly, to be honest with you guys, I told Heather this this afternoon. She's killing it. She's one of the best people on this beat. So if you're not following her, if you have a problem with women covering sports, it's time to graduate kindergarten. kindergarten. Get over it. Like, and I know not... this is a tough, it's a tough time about this kind of take because we just watched what we watched on TV last night, but that's a whole nother topic. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I would just love to have a real conversation with some of these people, which I know is not probably in their uh, brain cells to have real conversations. Um, but I just want to be like, w- w- be real with me. What is your problem? And I feel like a lot of it probably boils down to, you know, jealousy um, or, you know, just being brought up on this old school way of thinking that, you know, it, women aren't supposed to be doing this and women aren't supposed to be covering these things. And it also doesn't help when there are stereotypes out there and there are some women that don't do things the right way and don't go about it the way that it should. Um, you know, whether there are questions about how they got there or what they do. And it's unfortunate because there are, there are some like that but majority of us do things the right way. And that's why I said this on a podcast last week. I feel, me personally, I feel a responsibility to go above and beyond because I feel like I personally want to, I don't want to give my, not only myself, but the rest of women in sports who are doing things the right way, I don't want to get, I don't want to give us a bad name. I don't want to fuel any kind of stereotypes or any kind of trolls. So, you know, I just feel like I have a responsibility to the rest of us to, to make sure that I'm doing things the right way. And sometimes I feel like that means overcompensating too. Um, there are some times where I will write a script, even just something as simple as a script. And I find myself almost over over explaining myself something that might be simple that I don't I'm like why am I why am I adding all these extra things it's because I feel like I have to work 10 times harder than um than other men because it's like I have to almost just every day and with every little thing I'm doing I feel like I have to prove myself with every little thing I do and that's unfortunate because you shouldn't not that you shouldn't work hard but hard work and feeling like you have to prove yourself when you've been doing this for a number of years and your work, your work should speak for itself. But unfortunately, um, you know, with every little thing I do, I constantly feel like I have to overcompensate and, um, and again, just prove myself. So I'm hoping that maybe as some of these people, um, I like to say it's like a generational thing, but it's, but it's not because people in our generation, my generation, whoever, um, there are these guys out there like that. So I'm, I can only hope that it, it gets better and, um, just get over it. Like it's, it's not changing. I mean, it's just not. So you can either be bitter about it and sit there like a keyboard warrior and that's how you're going to, you're going to, you know, spend your time or you can just accept it and, Maybe by accepting it, you're a going to learn something from us and b going to enjoy some of the content that we're putting out there about your favorite teams and your favorite sports. 
Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that there is a level of jealousy. And, you know, I think a lot of times when you see a lot of the vitriol that's thrown at, you know, uh, media members, whether it be in sports or anything else, it's I think because a lot of people would love to be doing what we're doing. I don't take what my job for granted. Like I love, my wife tells me this all the time. Like she's great about this. Like when I come home from work one day and I'm, and I'm like, you know, whether I had a bad day, a bad, I didn't write a great story or I had a bad podcast or whatever the case may be. She'll always remind me like, do you know how many people would just kill to just have your bad day? And so we got to remind ourselves of that. But at the same time, I want everybody to realize that, you know, just using Buffalo as uh, an example, I'm amazed at the level of professionalism and the level of work ethic in this market by everybody from the women to the men, to the younger people, to some of the um, elder statesmen that have done this thing for a very long time that continue to carry the, carry the torch and carry the mantle. So I just think everybody needs to take a step back and just realize like, you know, if you want to do this, come do it. It, it, It's available to you. Well, and here's my thing too, is that it's like, I don't care if you want to, if I have an opinion that you don't agree with, that's fine. But why, why can't we have a discussion about it? Like I am open. Like I want to hear people's opinions, whether I agree with it or not. Like that's why I do this. I love to interact with people. I love to hear what you have to say or whatever, but do why, why is it if you disagree with me, it's, oh, you're a woman, you don't know anything and all this stuff. It's like, no, we're just, we have a difference of opinion. So let's talk about it instead of throwing like things out there that literally have nothing to do with that opinion. Exactly. Well, I can't keep I can't keep you too much longer because you got to get ready for big shows tonight. Channel Four WIVB. Make sure you get to your TV set. Check out the news. There was a lot of going. There was a lot of stuff going on today down at the stadium, and I'm sure you'll have a lot on it tonight. Heather, say thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right. So we are moving right along, and I wanted to kind of go through the whole injury list a little bit because. Uh, an update from from down there. We talked a little bit about the four guys at the top, but one really interesting one that I thought was Deion Dawkins is in a, a red non-contact jersey. And we saw Ty Inseki finish finish the game for him uh, on Sunday. If he is somebody that, you know, this, this shoulder injury is something that could potentially keep him out, that could be a big deal on Sunday. Oh, a huge deal. You know, as good as Inseki has been when he's been, his number's been called and he's played for this team last year, this year, uh, Deion Dawkins is probably, in my opinion, at least the best offensive lineman on this team. So you would be losing a lot from a playing standpoint, obviously a, a leadership standpoint. We've talked a lot about that edge that John Feliciano brings. I, I think that Deion Dawkins kind of brings a relaxing presence to that team where, you know, they're not going to be maybe on edge or or too nervous or anything like that, because he's always so laid back. He's always seeming to entertain the guys. So it would hurt on and off the field for a variety of reasons uh, if he were out on Sunday. So definitely something to watch uh, as this week progresses. It just seems like a lot of teams are banged up. You know, I, I saw some comments in here too about the Raiders, they're likely to be without their top two wide receivers, the top two young wide receivers in, in Ruggs and Brian Edwards. Uh, so you're talking maybe Zay Jones' revenge game. Uh, I, I wouldn't count too much on that, but, you know. Hey, maybe, he, had a, he had a touchdown on Monday Night Football, that's right? That's true. That's true. So maybe he can prove me wrong there. And then Hunter Renfro. Uh, but obviously their biggest target would be Darren Waller in that passing game uh, with or without those guys. You know, I think the big thing too on this, and and we're going to get to our next guest here, but the big thing to take away from today's injury report is hang tight. Let's see who practices tomorrow. If things change tomorrow, last week, John Brown was out on Wednesday. He returned on Thursday. No big deal. So uh, I think we'll, we'll kind of take that day by day here. All right. Narrative wise, you know, where, where are we at in the, in the Josh Allen narrative? I mean, I think you were asking me before we started tonight, like, you know, some of the people that have you know, flip-flopped a little bit, kind of on what we were talking about at the beginning of the show with the Josh Allen apology form. But one big apology was Manish Mehta uh, out of New York. He actually wrote a full column about how wrong he was. And, you know, some people are, are they're kind of dragging their feet a little bit. They, they don't want to at least admit we're seeing a player that has grown exponentially from where he started 
you know, out of Wyoming, you know, right at that, uh, that, that draft point to where we are now. Yeah. People, I, I don't think people forget, so I don't want to even say that, but he, he was a, a prospect. He was a true prospect compared to these other quarterbacks in that first round of that draft. Baker Mayfield, a lot more experience. Sam Darnold, a lot more experience. Rosen was supposedly the most pro ready uh, quarterback in this draft class. Allen was a guy that had all the intangibles, but he didn't have the same kind of experience. He didn't have the same kind of pedigree. You needed to truly bring this guy along and develop him. And, and you know, you, you heard him thanking the Bills for the way that they've coached him up over these three seasons. And he's done his part too by every offseason, really working on his flaws and, and seemingly getting better and better each year. You know, last year is is that intermediate game. This year it's been that deep ball. Uh, he, he's made better decisions. He's been reading the defense, using his eyes. So it's all been all about the development and the team's patience, um, the fan base's patience. It, it's all paying off now because you don't usually see this anymore. You see how quickly quarterbacks can get pulled uh, by coaches, by regimes now. Uh, you can see that sometimes quarterbacks maybe don't get a fair shake in this league. You know, you can look at uh, Josh Rosen and look at what where he's been. Arizona, well, you know, he had some moments in, in that first year, but then they, they bring in uh, a, a coach that wants his own guy, and his own guy is Kyler Murray, so who can blame him? Goes to the Dolphins, not really a fair shake there. So now he's on a practice squad, and he's with Tampa. So you just never know in this league. There were a lot of people that did not buy in. Uh, I mentioned in that form letter there was at least one NFL expert, quote-unquote, that called him an, a parody of an NFL quarterback. And I, I did see some pretty positive tweets from that gentleman recently about Mr. Allen. So, you know, maybe he's coming around as well. It, it's just that everything has paid off so far for Allen. And, and you're right, there's some people that are dragging their feet. There are some people that will never admit to being wrong. They'll find some kind of flaws and say that it's Brian Dable. It's the talent around him. But anyone that's watched him and watched every single game of his, as we have, as I'm guessing most, if not everyone in this uh, group that's with us here tonight has, they have seen the progression of Josh Allen. Let's do a couple questions here. Um, Torres Tube on YouTube, he asks... I'm wondering if Croft plays or if Knox takes his place back. I think it would be a tough call from that Croft performance last week. And I think that that's an interesting discussion because even before Dawson Knox was injured, you know, I feel like he's struggling to find his place, you know, in this offense in terms of like, you know, being there and, and being not only there to, you know, as an option for Josh Allen, but when he gets the ball and gets a look to make a play with it. He's so dynamic with the ball in his hands because he's so physical. But when you have like a fumble or you have a drop, like he experienced so many drops last year, you know, you start to lose that trust a little bit. And so I think to his point to have a big moment from Tyler Croft last week and have the luxury of a guy that showed that he can do it in a big moment. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you do want to get Tyler or keep Tyler Croft involved. I still think Dawson Knox being available He's a guy that they have big plans for. And not only do the, does the organization have big plans for him, I think that Josh Allen has big plans for him. You you talk hear Josh Allen talk about him this offseason. He's been very complimentary and very direct about what he thinks Dawson Knox can become in this league. So when you have that, you want to cultivate that. You want to build that. And the only way to build that is to have him on the field playing in, in this offense and trying to find his role. But to your point, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a closer to even split once Dawson Knox gets back. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, Croft was great last week. He may he may took advantage of every opportunity. Two big touchdown passes, obviously the game winner being the big one there. Uh, but Knox brings something special to this offense, or he can bring something special. You heard Josh Allen on that Mark Sanchez podcast say that he thinks Knox could be a top ten uh, type uh, tight end in this league. We've seen flashes, whether it's the stiff arm, whether it's getting that separation last year in that New England game and almost scoring the touchdown before halftime. But then we still see the mistakes, the turning your head upfield before you have the ball, the fumble that happened uh, early this season after he had a big game. Knox can create crazy amounts of separation. He can get open. He can be a weapon in this offense. It's just getting that consistency. 
And just like Josh Allen at quarterback, you probably need to work with Knox to get that out of him. He was not used much uh, at Ole Miss in terms of a uh, receiving threat. They had some great receivers in that system. Uh, so it's, it's again, it's, it's going to be a patience-type situation. And, and if he develops the way I think the Bills think he can, well, then the Bills are going to have a scary tight end for uh, the first time in, in a long time. They've had some decent tight ends in their history, but they've never had a great tight end that uh, pops out in my mind, at least from the 80s on. You had some reliable guys like Metzler's, Jay Reamer's Ma, uh, but this guy, if he can get everything put together, can be really special and can be a weapon. But for now, yeah, split it up. Let him get his confidence back a little bit. Let him learn from Croft. Let him get some pressure off of him and then bring him along uh, a little bit each week. Justin Murray asks, what do you guys think about the Raiders situation? Do you think the players that weren't wearing masks are going to play? Yeah, I mean, unless there's like a COVID development that, you know, everybody keeps their fingers crossed that that's, that's not the case. But yeah, I think that they play. And I think that, I just think that everybody's got to, you know, without being preachy, just take it more seriously. And I understand, you know, I understand everybody that sits there and says, well, look at the, you know, the, you know, how many people get it and don't even get sick or, you know, the, the, if you really blow it out, like, even if you want to say that the, the death rate isn't something that you should really be concerned about, just coming at it from a football fan perspective. If somebody has COVID, they can't play football, which impacts this whole season. So you have to take it seriously. I mean, I, I go up to, you know, the, the stadium every day. I take a test, um, you know, as part of a, as a pool reporter, I have to make sure that if things ever go inside, I'm available and I'm been and I'm up on my testing. And, and so you, you got to take a sacrifice and you got to make sure that you know, I go down there at, on Saturday mornings. I, I, I make sure I'm, I'm careful about what I'm doing now. I'm doing that anyway in my life, but there's a lot of people in this league that are making sacrifices to get this season in during these hard times. So, you know, when you see people maybe not taking it as seriously, even if it was a mistake, even if it was an oversight, you just kind of look at him and to trade to Tredavious White's point today. Yeah. It's kind of like a, you know, it raises your eyebrows a little bit. So yeah, I just think you got to be a little bit more responsible about it, no matter what your belief is. And I go back to, you know, I can't remember who it was now, but somebody had a really interesting take on all of this. Oh, Kirk cousins, you know, anti-masker, like somebody that, you know, for him, he is not worried about COVID he is a professional athlete. If he gets it, he'll be fine. He's not worried about it, whatever. But he wears a mask and he and he goes about the protocols. And, you know, at first I was ready to, you know, get all up in arms about his comments. But then I realized that he's still going about the protocols and, and respecting other people. And I think that's what it's about. Respect everybody else involved trying to make this season a thing. And, um, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think it's a great take. But going to that question, I would be stunned if the NFL came down and said that, you know, those guys cannot play on Sunday. Uh, they're going to be tested extensively, just like every player is. So to Matt's point, unless there's some kind of positive test, I, I expect them out there on the field now. Could there be a fine involved, just like the coaches were fined a few weeks ago? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's what we see happen here. But I think you'd have to almost be a repeat offender. You'd almost have to see one of those guys photographed or, or in a video again where they're not wearing a mask before anything like that would take place. Um, one more question here is about Josh Josh Norman and his availability. And I know that there's some people that, you know, are looking forward to just, you know, I think that there's like just a, a curiosity of what this potentially can look like. Even if you, even for those people that think maybe Josh Norman's not going to be the guy that he was, just the chance to get a look at it and see if it could be any better than what the bills currently have. And, and that's not even a slight at Levi Wallace. It's just, if you can upgrade on a player, uh, you, you see it all the time, even like, you know, this last week with Quentin Spain getting moved out of the lineup because they, for whatever reason, thought Cody Ford at left guard and Brian winters would work better, which, you know, Brian winters, I don't think had a great game. And I think that there would be an argument to be made that you want to get somebody in that role as soon as possible. If John Feliciano could come back or, or whatever it ends up being, um, but I just think people want to see what that's going to look like. How is he trending? It's tough to say. He was out there in full pads, uniform today. It, everything looked good, but we got to get to Thursday and Friday. And even then, the Bills don't have to activate him. You know, they can keep him on the IR for three more weeks. Let him let that hamstring really get to 100. If it's not there already, um, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Closing I, thoughts, Ryan. I just don't think we'll know anything about Norman until Saturday. That's when they actually have to make that decision if they want to play him this week. I think they'll keep everything close to their vest. 
Uh, closing thoughts, though. Going to be an interesting game this week. Uh, Raiders give up a ton of points, a ton of yards, but they've had a pretty decent offense this year. So could be another high-scoring affair in Vegas. I think uh, fans are going to have another fun game to watch this week. For sure. All right, I got to get out of here. Game one tonight, NBA Finals. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Put away your swords, Bills Mafia. Don't go too hard on him. He's going to come in here and preview this game a little bit. Uh, we had him on in the summer or late late spring uh, to talk about his once uh, you know exciting Bills love affair that has ended. Uh, and he'll we'll go a little bit into that as well. But we'll mostly focus on the game. Talk about Bills versus Raiders this Sunday. Uh, will the Bills keep their undefeated record? We will find out. This has been the Shop Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Thank you so much for watching. And if you can, head over to the audio platforms. I know I always say it, but it really helps us out. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back tomorrow. Keep it locked on to Syracuse.com and New York Upstate for all your Buffalo Bills content. Have a great night, everyone. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70 inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in store, or online to win.